Ladies and gentlemen, fellas, 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 welcome back to the channel and the podcast. And today we're going to be breaking down in our part one of this series of the second year wide receivers, your most draft second year wide receivers. And based on last year's rookie class, and honestly, the one coming in this year is probably going to be even more next year. But based on last year's rookie class, there's a lot of noteworthy names. Now, in terms of guys that should be going in your single digit rounds of drafts, there's not a ton. We can maybe list off six seven, somewhere around there. But that's still a lot for just the second year wide receivers. But guys that should probably be drafted if your league is 15 rounds or so, is probably closer to 12 or 13 wide receivers. That just speaks to the volume of how good last year's draft was. So I do want to break down a good amount of these, definitely all the single digit ones in the next couple of videos. These will be more of a series that are coming up. But we're going to start with my top three at least. And all these guys are definitely must drafts for me. All these guys are guys that I like. I like some a little bit more than others. And I'll point out that for sure. So we're going to start with the top three in this specific video right here. So sit back, relax, uh, take your shoes off, do all those things. This is a time for you right now. These next 20 to 30 minutes, whatever it ends up being is right now for you. I will call out that the Supreme Draft Guide is now up on my site, Fantasy Sports Focus. Everything is linked down below in the description. And for a limited time offer only right now, pretty much during the time that you're seeing this, and hopefully by the time you're seeing this, it's not over, it will be $10 thanks to Monkey Knife Fight. You can get it down below if you are indeed eligible. And if for some reason you are not based on the time you're watching this, well, then you can go to the site down below. It has everything you're going to need, a bunch of player profiles. Every single video that I've done pretty much this year, their profiles have been uploaded onto there with my rankings and, and just databases and a lot of different things, premium analysis. Go ahead, check it all out. What are you waiting for? If you've been watching all my videos, listening to all my podcasts, this is the guide to simply just beat your league mates, take their money, take the bragging rights and just stomp right on them. So go ahead, get it right now. I appreciate you all tuning into this one. And if you could hit me with a like button and the big old subscribe button that popped up, that will be popping up a couple of times throughout the video. Take a second of your time, bottom right hand corner. That is the best currency to pay me in if you want to support me totally for free on this YouTube channel and hitting the notification bell is also another way to do that. So thank you so much. We're going to start this video off our must draft second year wide receivers with a man who was a beast himself, a man who led all the wide receivers last year out of all the rookies in this class that we'll be talking about in receiving yards over a thousand yards. The only one to do that, AJ Brown. He played in all 16 games, 72.3% of the snaps. He caught 52 balls for over a thousand yards, 1,051 yards and nine touchdowns on 84 targets and 19.5% target share. Now being in such an efficient offense, that's exactly what AJ Brown was last year. He was number two in fantasy points per route run. He was number two in fantasy points per target. He was number three in yards per reception. And you probably already knew that because I said he had over a thousand yards on just 52 receptions. Uh, number three in yards per reception at 20.2, number six in yards after contact. So uh, this is a lot of things. He's very efficient last year. This is among all wide receivers, not just the rookies. So he's borderline top five in yards after the catch. He's just top five in every other efficiency metric. And then you look at his touchdown rate and it's 15.4%. Something has to give here. Either he's going to say wildly efficient, mainly because his quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, who we'll talk about was wildly efficient, or the running game's going to continue to stay wildly efficient in Derrick Henry, or everything's going to fall to the ground or somebody's going to drop out. I give it that AJ Brown is probably the one who in this entire offense has the best chance of staying consistent, running backs year in and year out because of the offensive line, because of just a beating that they take, even if it is Derrick Henry. Now he's been doing this for pretty much a year and a half to two years of time in Derrick Henry's case, taking a beating and just different offensive line, Jack Conklin out of there, new offensive lineman from the draft coming in. I think if anybody's due to regress more, it would be Derrick Henry. It would be even Ryan Tannehill to an extent. But if AJ Brown just sees more volume, just 84 targets last year, it could make up for any regression that comes his way. He's definitely getting regression in the touchdown department. You don't score nine total touchdowns on just an 84 overall target share. But that being said, he really didn't start to get used until week five from a snap perspective when he saw 73.5% of the snaps. Before that, he was just being rotated in with a bunch of guys and mainly the, the wide receiver one at that point with Mariota during that time for most of it was a guy in Corey Davis. And then you have Delaney Walker for a little bit before his injury. And then his first big volume week didn't come until week seven. He was pretty much seeing maybe three 
four targets, but then he gets eight targets in week seven against Casey Hayward, fares pretty decently there. So really, like many rookie wide receivers last year, A.J. Brown took about a third to 50% of the season to really get involved in his offense. And his quarterback who I touched on, Ryan Tannehill, was wildly efficient as well. You can see Ryan Tannehill's numbers right now in 11 games after coming in for Mariota around week six. He attempted 23.8 attempts per game. 22 touchdowns was a 7.7% rate. Now, 7.7% is very, very high. That is Russell Wilson level career high, which is historic. Last year, you saw Lamar Jackson go for a 9% rate, which is historic. The year before that, you saw right around a 7.7% rate for Patrick Mahomes. And that did regress downwards. So Ryan Tannehill's touchdown percentage is likely going to regress downwards, 228.5 yards per game. But look at how efficient this guy was, not just in the touchdown department, but number one play action passer, number one in true pass rating, number one adjusted yards per attempt, and number two in fantasy points per dropback. This team was wildly efficient, whether it was Derrick Henry, whether it was Tannehill. And stemming from Tannehill was guys like John Smith, the tight end being efficient, and A.J. Brown being one of the most efficient wide receivers in the entire league, if not the most efficient wide receiver in the league last year as a rookie. Those things are not going to stick, right? You don't get to be number one in all efficiency metrics back-to-back years due to just personnel changes and just natural regression towards a mean of not being the number one efficiency team in the league every single year. But with that said, if you think that A.J. Brown goes from an 84 overall targets to now the running game gets less efficient, so they pass a little bit more, and now A.J. Brown and playing really the first five weeks after not really playing as a, a primary feature in this offense in the first five weeks last year, if you think that the former second round pick out of Old Miss, A.J. Brown, goes for now 115 targets, 120 targets, and he's starting to see 30 more targets to 40 more targets this year, then yeah, it kind of, it doesn't matter as much if he's not scoring uh, nine touchdowns. Even if he scores six touchdowns on a reasonable rate, it's going to be a little bit better because everything from the receptions to the yardage can prop up. So A.J. Brown does have, in my opinion, a 70 reception, 1,250 to 1,350 yard season for six to eight touchdowns in him. And I do think it can happen this year. And I do think, if anything, the running game is going to regress, which allows him to see more volume. Now you can see here in the offseason, some of the Titans additions and subtractions, additions in the free agency, pretty much nothing. We can skim over those. You can see those names. You don't really recognize them because they're not going to be all that much of a factor, at least not to start the season. They lose a decent amount. Jack Conklin for the offensive line. Deion Lewis, they lose, and then they replace him in the NFL draft with a running back in the third round named Darrington Evans. They take a tackle in the first round who replaces Jack Conklin. Conklin going to the Cleveland Browns to improve their offensive line. So they pretty much just replace Conklin with a first round pick, Isaiah Willis. And then Delaney Walker's gone. So now it's John Smith's time. Tajay Sharp's gone. So now it's whoever's going to fill into that role time. Pretty much nobody at this point. And Darius Jennings as well. So not major losses. If anything, the losses come in the running game, putting in a rookie running back as the RB2 now and putting in a rookie tackle for the consistent Jack Conklin. Getting into the specific target competition, well, it's going to start off with a guy in John Smith who might be the biggest target threat to AJ Brown. Now, that means nothing really to AJ Brown. This is a guy who has no target competition if that's going to be the best target competition. But for a guy in John Smith, you can check out my tight end, must draft tight ends. John Smith is in a great spot to be like the number two wide receiver on this team as a tight end. He played on 74% of the snaps last year, 34 receptions, 439 yards, and three touchdowns on 45 targets. Now, he didn't play really the first three weeks last year. He pretty much just played in 12 games. If you take the time that John Smith pretty much became the starter there, or at least based on his snap percentages being the starter, and you just look at those 12 weeks of the year, he was the tight end 12. So right now, John Smith is a top 12 tight end for me, not just because of that, just because of the upside that's going to come from this. He was able to do that last year, be the tight end 12 in a very limited role because of how efficient and how athletically gifted he is. This is a guy who this year, if you told me who is one guy from the uh, top 15 to 20 tight end range that's on a lot of people's lists, he might be the number 20 tight end on some people's list, number 18, that can finish as the tight end five this year. The Darren Waller of last year, right? Finishes a top five tight end. That would be John Smith for me. Mike Gusecki's close. Hayden Hurst is close, but it would be John Smith for me, in my opinion. He was number eight in yards after the catch. Yak for tight ends, number two in yards per target, number four in catch rate, and number three in fantasy points per target, all amongst tight ends. Again, just efficiency, efficiency, efficiency. Corey Davis would be another threat here. He hasn't been a threat. He's been a bust, if anything, since coming into the league. 80.9% of the snaps last year, 
caught 43 balls for 601 yards and two touchdowns, a 16.8% target share, but he was 43rd in yards after the catch, 33rd in yards per reception, and 68th in fantasy points per route run. He was not very efficient. Adam Humphreys, the slot man last year, played 52.7% of the overall snaps in 12 games, still with a little bit of an injury, caught 37 balls for 372 yards and four touchdowns, or 374 yards, excuse me, and two touchdowns. He ended up having 47 total targets, so there's no threat here. It's Jonu Smith. It's whoever they want to put on the outside opposite him, who right now is going to be a mixture of guys since Tajay Sharp is gone. Most likely going to be Corey Davis on the outside with A.J. Brown, and then Adam Humphreys in the slot with a guy in Jonu Smith on the field. So I think it's going to be A.J. Brown, Jonu Smith in the pecking order, probably Corey Davis after that. But no real threat to, to A.J. Brown at this point. It is going to be an open field for him. I think he de- does see a lot of upside this year. I do think out of all the rookie wide receivers, he is currently my highest ranked one. He's not my favorite based on ADP. People usually take him a little bit earlier than I would like to, but I do think he's an absolute monster. I do think he fits the Julio Jones mold. Six foot, 230 plus pounds now after his first year in the NFL, coming out at 226 pounds. So go ahead, get yourself some A.J. Brown. Do not be scared off. The efficiency will drop. The efficiency will not be there. But what will increase will be the fact that he didn't play the the first five weeks really at all. He was a rotational player the first five weeks. He still ended up with 84 targets. If those targets increase by 30, say he plays those first five weeks and he averages six targets per game in those. Now you have 115 target season out of him. That's looking a lot better. That starts to turn into a 70 reception 1250 yard and even if the touchdown rate comes down seven six touchdown season that's still a very very good season for a second year wide receiver go get yourself some aj brown i've talked about my man dk Metcalf in the past he is my favorite second year wide receiver out of every single second year wide receiver um adp is starting to rise on him so it might be some of those like really late round guys in the double digit rounds that we talk on in another video that i might start to like a little bit more than him just based on value uh but at all the second year wide receivers right now i love dk Metcalf. when you talk about just look over my shoulder right now all these player profile the the workout metrics, um, 99th percentile in 40 yard time, uh, 99th percentile in speed score, 97th percentile burst score, right? Catch radius is insane. This guy's an athletic freak and he broke out in his first year in the NFL and it didn't take him that long. And now he's playing with one of the most efficient quarterbacks of all time, if not the most efficient in Russell Wilson, it can only get better for him. And, and honestly, towards the second half of last year, Tyler Lockett did deal with an ankle injury uh, and really a bum knee and all these types of things are messing around with Tyler Lockett. Um, so maybe Tyler Lockett is still the number one, primarily running out of the slot, but he's 28 years old. DK Metcalf, if not last year, towards the end of last year, uh, started to surpass Tyler Lockett. I do believe he will this year. And I think DK Metcalf, AJ Brown definitely has top five wide receiver in the league upside in, in his range of outcomes over the next two to five years. I think DK Metcalf also has that in his range of outcomes, just based on the pure athletic freaks that these guys are. In 16 games last year, he pretty much came out right away. Um, he started playing right off the bat. He had a little bit of a hiccup in the preseason with a knee. They thought he might have to miss the first two to four weeks. Didn't end up happening, but he played on 87.2% of the snaps. You can see right now on the screen, 58 receptions for 900 yards and seven touchdowns. So 100 total targets. He saw a ton of red or end zone targets as well. I believe he was number two in the entire league in, in end zone targets, meaning not in the red zone, but standing in the end zone itself. He was number two in deep targets amongst rookies with 25. He saw four touchdowns off of those for a 25.8% deep target rate as well. He ended up out targeting Tyler Lockett the second half of the season when he factored in their two playoff games. He uh, pretty drastically, not drastically, but you know, closer to 10 targets more than Tyler Lockett. It was just one. If you talk about the regular the season second half again Lockett was dealing with injury so that is important to at least point out I've discussed this in my must draft video that's how much I like DK Metcalf uh, but for wide receivers but his route tree it used to just be go routes up the left side right so pretty much where my hand is going right now this is all he was doing he was just running up the left side go routes and that's that's not uncommon for rookie wide receivers especially if his stature that can just beat you at speed and size right so that's what they were doing with him early on and then if you look towards like week 10 and really towards the last couple of weeks into the playoffs everything's going he's doing those go routes but he's crossing into the middle field he's doing double moves he's doing 
pitches. He's doing a ton of things and it's really helping just him one get open and his route tree develops so much. If you see that route development in literally one year in the NFL and it doesn't take you a whole off season to get better with your routes, that is something that I love to see. So for me, DK Metcalf is, is a borderline top 20 wide receiver in my rankings. I think he's like 21 right now. Again, you can get those rankings all on the Supreme Draft Guide banner on the screen. Take a second of time. Go get it right now before the clock runs out on you and you have to pay triple the price. Um, Monkey Knife Fight, $10 sponsoring it. So go ahead, check that out. So we did out target locker, like I said, and it really spiked in week 17 where he saw a 30% target share entering into the playoffs. Here you go. He was number one in end zone targets with 18. 18.8% end zone target rate was only second behind DJ Moore. So what does that mean? He was t- being targeted when he was in the end zone. So not only are the red zone targets, like red zone targets are valuable, but if you're being targeted on the 18 yard line and you're being targeted for a five yard pass, you never really had a chance to score a touchdown for the most part. When you're in the end zone, you every single time you're being targeted, you have a chance. So it's great to see that he was number one in the NFL in that department with 18. Overall, saw a 20% target share, 21.4% in the red zone. Russell Wilson was fine as ever last year, 256 yards per game, 32.2 attempts per game, 31 touchdowns with a 6% rate. 6% rate is fine, right? Uh, he, the guy continues to get, he was third in, in touchdowns overall with 31. And a 6% rate sounds like for Russell Wilson standards, when he's usually in the seven to eight percentage range, it sounds bad, but that's completely fine. He's so efficient. He's just so good at extending plays, which is going to help guys like DK Metcalf. So what did Seattle do over the offseason? You can see right now, in terms of offense, they added Greg Olson. They added Philip Dorsett, guys that can potentially compete with DK Metcalf. They're going to be a very fast team when it comes to Lockett, uh, Dorsett, and Metcalf on the field at the same time, if not the fastest. They lose Josh Gordon. That was midway through the season. They lose a bunch of offensive linemen, which is what they also add in the offseason. They add three offensive linemen, two tackles, and an interior offensive lineman. And then they lose a center in two tackles. So they kind of replace those through free agency. And the NFL draft, they draft Damian Lewis, an offensive lineman, a couple of tight ends, DJ Dallas, a running back. So uh, from a perspective of their overall offense, lots of depth pieces at tight end, lots of depth pieces. They get a um, depth piece when it comes to DJ Dallas at the running back position to throw out there. Maybe he gets some run. And then they just add a tight end, a veteran tight end, and Greg Olson. So they have a ton of tight ends in this team. They already had two to start with in Will Disley and Jacob Hollister. Now they have Greg Olson. They drafted two tight ends, so pretty crazy there. But the main one would really just be Philip Dorsett. Dorsett, if anything, has a chance to cut into Metcalf's target share, but I don't think it'll directly pull away from him. Like I said last year, durability-wise, no missed games, but he did have a preseason knee uh, scare, I guess you can say. It wasn't anything major, but they said he might have to miss two to four weeks. He ended up missing no time. His target competition is mainly Tyler Lockett, Philip Dorsett, Greg Olson, and then the rest of all these tight ends, Jacob Hollister, Will Disley. From a Lockett perspective, Lockett played 92.7% of the snaps last year, went for over 1,000 yards on 82 receptions, eight touchdowns, 110 total targets, 22.3% share, but he was heavily used and he's still going to be very heavily used in the red zone, as was DK Metcalf, but locking on another level, 27.4% target share. And a lot of that was the first half of the year. The second half of the year, very similar to AJ Brown, is where DK Metcalf started to surge a little bit. Philip Dorsett last year with the Patriots had a 69.4% snap share. He caught 29 balls on 54 targets at 13.1% share in 11 games. He had five touchdowns. And then Greg Olson, the old man himself, 83% of the target share, the man who's probably wants to be one foot out the door of the NFL in uh, some of the booths right now. I believe he was doing the XFL games, did pretty good as well. Saw a 15.5% target share with the Panthers last year, was still productive, 52 receptions, 597 yards as he battled injury, and two touchdowns on 81 targets. That was in 14 games. So Metcalf does have target competition, right? Philip Dorsett, as your wide receiver three, is no slouch on any team. Uh, Lots of tight ends here. Greg Olson, Will Disley, Jacob Hollister. And then you obviously still have Tyler Lockett running out of the slot as still right up there as probably Russell Wilson's favorite target, although he's 28 years old compared to Metcalf coming into his uh, 23. He'll be around 23 when the time of the year starts. I like Metcalf a lot. I love the quarterback combination. When you get a top three to top two quarterback in the league throwing you the ball and you're an absolute freak and he's absolutely efficient, it's just going to lead to good things. The fact that his rookie season took a quarter of the season, probably around 30% to 40% of the season to really get involved heavily in the offense, maybe 
only 25%. He broke out pretty early compared to most of the other receivers like your Debo's, your AJ Browns. He was very similar to Terry McLaurin in that way. These guys were pretty much popping off from week one and week two in DK Metcalf and McLaurin. But even that being said, now you don't have to have those first three or four games of hiccups and trying to get things going and get similar and accumulated to the NFL. It leads to a spot where DK Metcalf likely goes for over a thousand yards this season and potentially threatens uh, for a 60 to 80 catch year. And then the final guy that we'll talk about in this specific video for the second year wide receivers. And trust me, I've got a lot more. I'll do a little bit of a tease for the next few videos, um, but hopefully you like these breakdowns. If you do take a second of your time, hit that like button for me right now. Just take a second and the big old subscribe button pops up on the screen. Tap that subscribe button. It is totally free to do so. If you can hit the notification bell as that little animated gif does for you, if you can hit that, it does help me because when you subscribe within the video and not after and not when you're watching somebody else's video or before, when you subscribe right in the middle of the video, it pretty much just tells YouTube, these people like this content. They're subscribing with it within it. They actually value what this guy has to say. They value and want to subscribe. So I really do appreciate that. If you're getting some sort of value, these videos take me about five to six hours per video to just research, update, upload, all that stuff. Um, then edit. So hopefully you're getting value from it. Let me know if you are in the comment section down below. So finally, Terry McLaurin, uh, the guy out of Ohio State, third round pick, who was an absolute beast and played as if he should have been a first round pick because in 14 games, he played on 98.2% of the snaps. They were saying this in the preseason. I remember seeing reports before the preseason even started. They were saying Terry McLaurin's our wide receiver one. And at that time, a lot of people were like, eh, we don't know if Terry McLaurin's actually going to be the wide receiver one. Terry McLaurin was the wide receiver one, 58 receptions, 919 yards and seven touchdowns on 93 targets while dealing with just terrible quarterback play pretty much the entire season. So a 23% target share, 24% in the red zone. It amounted out to being 13.7 fantasy points per game, which was 29th. He finished as a top 25 wide receiver seven times, and he finished as a top 20 wide receiver six different times. He was an elite wide receiver last year. So if you want to rank him right now, he's like around my wide receiver 25 or so. But if you wanted to rank him as a wide receiver 20, and you dislike him a little bit more than Metcalf, and maybe even as much as a guy in AJ Brown, well, then go ahead. In my opinion, he has all the physical attributes, 98th percentile when it comes to 40 yard dash. 95th percentile when it comes to speed score. So lots of things that really do stand out for Terry McLaurin, just athletics wise. He was 14th in yards per reception with 15.8, 12th in yards per target at 9.9. He was a number one rookie graded wide receiver, number one contested catch guy, and he was using the slot a decent amount. He played in the slot 23% of the time last year, and he scored three touchdowns from the slot. So hopefully they work him around in this offense a little bit to help Dwayne Haskins, who I think is going to improve. I think he has to improve based on how he looked last year. And then you throw in some other things that really aren't statistics, but they are data points. He gets to face likely what's going to be, if not the worst, a bottom five five secondary in the league twice next year when it comes to the Giants. He gets to face the Cowboys secondary that just lost Byron Jones that just lost one of their safeties. And then he gets to face the Eagles secondary, which was awful last year. And yes, I know that they got better by adding Darius Slay, who I think's on the downturn of his career, just in my personal opinion. I don't think he was as good of his addition as lots of Eagles fans and some uh, general media and, and the national media wants to make it. I think he still has good name value, but I think he's on the downturn of his career, maybe one to two good years left, if anything. And then after that, they added Robbie Coleman, who I think in the slot is the better addition, in my opinion, just to, to boost off that overall offense uh, in the slot for Robbie Coleman. So yes, he has to face the Eagles who are going to be looking for a cohesiveness, a terrible Giants secondary and a, a Cowboys secondary that's just only going to get worse compared to last year, in my opinion, based on the, the losses of that team. So I like all those things for him. What I don't like is his quarterback play, but I'm not going to be as hard on, on Dwayne Haskins. Look, I don't like Dwayne Haskins in terms of what he showed last year. And a lot of people don't like Jared Sinem, even though he hasn't shown anything. But when the automatic assumption is uh, Dwayne Haskins, Jared Sinem, they're going to be the worst quarterbacks in the league. Okay, well, if they're going to be the worst quarterbacks in the league, what happens if Dwayne Haskins takes 
takes a step forward. I won't even go out on a limb and say he's going to be average 15th this year. What if he's 20th or 22nd? Same thing for Jared Stidham. Well, then guys like Terry McLaurin go from being the number 27th ranked wide receiver in a lot of people's rankings to now finishing wide receiver 15. If their quarterback is just not the worst in the league like it was last year for McLaurin to still put up 29th overall fantasy point per game production. Haskins last year attempted 22.6 attempts per game. Seven touchdowns was terrible, just a 3.4% rate and only 151 yards per game was not good. Literally McLaurin down the stretch was having to have one-handed catches in the back of the end zone on final drives of the game to continue to put up good production. He was doing everything. This guy was putting the team on his back right there with the old man himself, Adrian Peterson, who was still very elusive last year, surprisingly. 27th in true passer rating. 26th in clean pocket passer rating is not good and 35th in play action passing. He averages 8.3 fantasy points per game. That was 34th amongst all quarterbacks. Not good at all. Well, did the Redskins do anything in the offseason to really help? Honestly, when it comes to the passing game, not really. I mean, you look at it, they added Richard Rodgers, they lose Vernon Davis, they lose a guy in Jordan Reed, both those guys, well, uh, Vernon Davis retires Jordan Reed, I, I'm assuming he's going to retire, maybe he already has and I missed it, or potentially I'm forgetting, I don't know if he's made the official statement, but they pretty much add Richard Rodgers, former Lion, former Packer, to be the starting tight end, that's not good, they had a bunch of line help, they had Logan Thomas, another backup, they had just every single running back under the moon when it comes to J.D. McKissick and Peyton Barber in this backfield, they already had a ton of running backs and Adrian Peterson, Bryce Love, Darius Geis, and they draft one, and Antonio Gibson who's going to be like a hybrid wide receiver, so when it comes to what they actually did on offense to help Dwayne Haskins, not a whole lot, which is kind of concerning. They loaded up their running back room, so somebody's gonna have to pop off there. All they did in the draft was draft Antonio Gandy Golden, who looked good in the in, in college, but it was a very small school. It might have been Liberty, I believe. Uh, but they did nothing in free agency to help him. All they added was Cody Lattimore and Richard Rodgers. That's not good. But what that does do is pretty much just funnel targets to probably Terry McLaurin. Uh, last year, McLaurin did miss two games. I'll touch on one with a concussion later in the season, one earlier in the year with a hamstring. So what does a target competition look like for McLaurin after I just kind of said they didn't add anything. Well, what was already there for him? Well, probably the number one target competition, if it's not a running back coming out of the backfield in guys or in a guy like Antonio Gibson, the rookie is probably going to be Steve Sims. Last year, he only played on 36.8% of the snaps, 73% slot usage, caught 34 balls on 56 targets, a 13% share for 310 yards and five touchdowns. So looking at Steve Sims entire season is not a good way to look at it because he saw a large bump in snap percentage, starting to see 60 to 79% of the snaps in that range over the last five weeks. He was number seven in fantasy points per route run amongst wide receivers, mainly because his high touchdown rate of 11.8%. But this is what Steve Sims did during the final month of the season and pinpointing the final three weeks. Week 15, he played on 70.6% of the snaps. He caught five balls for 45 yards and a touchdown on 11 targets. Lots of targets there. Wide receiver 27 that week. Not bad. Week 16, he plays on 79.7% of the snaps, his highest percentage of the year. Six receptions, 64 yards and two touchdowns on 10 targets. Very good in all those departments, really. And wide receiver four, he finishes as. And then the final week of the season, so this is three weeks in a row now, 64.9% of the snaps, still solid. Five receptions for 81 yards, his highest overall receiving yards week, and then eight targets for wide receiver 14 finish. So he was very good down the stretch. And if he can actually continue to be good, he probably is a sleeper this year. Delvin Harmon, another rookie receiver last year, played on 60.2% of the snaps, 30 receptions, 365 yards on 11.4% target share. He was pretty just blah, right? 12.2 yards per reception, 1.55 yards per outrun. None of that was very good. Steve Sims was the better wide receiver. Trey Quinn, 12 game, 61% of the snaps, primarily played about two thirds of those snaps out of the slot, caught 26 balls, 195 yards and a touchdown. He just was not good. 7.5 yards per reception was 119th in yards after the catch, only 4.1 fantasy points per game. He's not somebody that I'm just too concerned with. Pretty much lost his job at 1.2 Steve Sims down the stretch out of the slot. And then for Antonio Gibson, I'll actually go over. So this is my site. This is where the running back profiles will live. You go over here onto these profiles and you just pretty much click whichever one you want to see. And a profile opens up for us. We want to look at Antonio Gibson, right? The rookie running back slash wide receiver 
hybrid player who in college was just all over the place. You can look at his 2019 stats. So pretty much he was a third round pick, pick second overall in the third round. He is six foot, 228 pounds. So these things really do stand out. I wish he went to a different backfield because there's so many running backs in this goddamn backfield. Four, three, nine speed. Like he has the upside to potentially be the number one running back in this draft if he's used as a running back. I love Jonathan Taylor, right? I like Cam Akers. I like all those guys that I've done previous videos on. You can check out my must draft rookie running back videos. You can check out my must draft rookies, all those types of videos. But this guy, if he had a bigger sample size, there's a good chance that if he was able to do what he was doing and consistently put up production, maybe not as efficient as the sample size grew, but was still a good running back, he might have been the best running back in this draft. This is what he did in 2019 alone. He was a hybrid between a wide receiver and a running back. He had 307 total offensive snaps. Running the ball, he ran 33 times for 369 yards and four touchdowns. Insane numbers there. In the receiving game, he caught 38 balls for 735 yards and 58 touchdowns. He averaged 14.9 yards per touch excuse me, 14.9 yards per touch. If I told you that this guy ended up only seeing, I don't know, seven yards per touch, you'd be like, damn, that's pretty good for a hybrid player. 14.9. So he had a very small sample, but elite passing game usage as he transitioned between a wide receiver and a running back at times. So you can see just on those 307 total offensive snaps, the man's touching the ball 71 total times, and he's going for around 1100 yards, just insane usage. And if you scroll down here, some of the stuff will be revamped in terms of popping out. That's some stuff that I have to work on on the design side, but I think it looks pretty good in my opinion. So go ahead, check it out. FantasySportsFocus.com. Everything's linked down below for you. If you're on the podcast and you want to just go over to Monkey Knife Fight, use the promo code SALNFL, or if you're watching on YouTube, SALNFL. Once you use that code and you deposit a minimum deposit of 10 bucks, they'll give you $15 totally for free. So now you have $25 to play on the prop betting site. Once you enter one game, the draft guide will be sent your way uh, within a few hours after that. So be sure to check all of that out. Otherwise, if you're not eligible for the Monkey Knife Fight offer because of the time you're watching this or the state that you live in, potentially down below in the description, you can get it on the website. So go ahead and take advantage of that. Pros of Antonio Gibson, he's just elusive. He's a pass catching weapon. He's a hybrid right now. So he's sort of this gadget guy and they've already compared him to Christian McCaffrey. Let's hold our horses, but I understand what they're saying there, right? McCaffrey, they're not saying we're comparing him in terms of him being a four-year, $64 million running back, the best in the league right now, a thousand yard receiver and rusher. No, I, I think Ron Rivera, the former head coach of McCaffrey is comparing him saying this guy can also catch and run and break tackles in a similar way that Christian McCaffrey can. It doesn't mean that he'll be using the exact same way, just a similar type of skill set. And I understand that. And I respect just the at least uh, comparison in that regard. I think people could dive too deep into it always saying he's going to be McCaffrey no, no he's just saying the skill set lines up the same exact way and I understand what he's saying there he had 33 broken tackles on 71 touches the downsides are just a small sample size so this guy could just be a one-trick pony right he could have done it for one year just because he was getting out in space people didn't really know who he was and again like only 33 rushing attempts what happens if he takes on 230 rushing attempts does his sample start to crush does he not is he not able to withstand that so I think he has sneaky upside in the right spot I don't know if Washington was that right spot, but it's something that we're going to have to wait and see. Could be worth a late round flyer for you. We got off on a tangent on Antonio Gibson. I don't think he's that big of a threat to Terry McLaurin. I think Steve Simpson's the biggest threat. They got no real tight ends there. They have no depth at wide receiver. Calvin Harmon, second year player, showed really nothing last year. Steve Sims did show some things, but but it's all open for Terry McLaurin. So at this point, AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, AJ Brown and Terry McLaurin have really no target competition. If anything, McLaurin has the least because I think AJ Brown at least has Adam Humphrey seeing some, Corey Davis seeing some, and John Smith should see a decent amount. But there's really nothing in Washington. DK Metcalf, he has some decent target competition as well. So that's where I'm at. Those are my first three second year wide receiver must draft guys. And the next video will be discussing guys like Debo Samuel, Hollywood Brown, Preston Williams, Deontay Johnson. There's so many other guys we can talk about. Darius Slayton, Michael Harmon, Nikhil Harry. Like last year's rookie wide receiver class was very, very good for fantasy. That's not even all of them. Hunter Renfro, Steve Sims himself was in this video. So we kind of checked him off as well as we went through it. And then Paris Campbell, who was injured a lot, going to be the slot plus guy in Indy this year for Philip Rivers. So thank you for tuning into this video. Please do hit that like button and smash the subscribe button big old one take a second of your time please if you are still watching this video watching on the podcast $50 you're listening on the podcast $50 giveaway each week 
for somebody who leaves a review on the podcast on one of the platforms. Mainly Apple is the one that I'll be looking at. So you can do that. Only literally like one to two people do it a week. So pretty good odds if you're watching on YouTube or the podcast. You just get 50 bucks sent your way via PayPal. So that's down below in the description. You check out the podcast, The Sal Vetri Show, and leave a review on whatever platform you leave them on. Let uh, let me know a way to contact you through that. So appreciate it. Check out the Supreme Draft Guide. Go ahead, get the Supreme Draft Guide right now. It is only going to be $10 if you go through Monkey Knife Fight. There's a ton of information in it. I could pull up the actual home screen right now. Some of it will be cut off just by the way that I had this screen cut off. 